Hello, and welcome to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast, where today will be part two of our interview with illustrious brother Al Jorgensen, the Sovereign Grand Inspector General for the Orient of Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our opinions and thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions, either here on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We'd also appreciate a thumbs up and especially any comments on our videos. Today on the Working Tools Podcast will be part two of our interview with uh, most worshipful and illustrious brother Al Jorgensen, who in addition to being past grandmaster of the Masons in Washington, is also currently the Sovereign Grand Inspector General for the Scottish Rite in the Orient of Washington. Uh, illustrious sir, thank you for coming out to our podcast. Again, it's my pleasure to be here with you. I noticed you changed your, we're getting serious now, you've changed your background to the, the uh, House of the Temple there, is that? I just kind of wanted to remind us we were going to talk about Scottish rights since the last time we were primarily in the Blue Lodge area, but uh, <laughs> the executive chamber of the Supreme Council of Southern Jurisdiction at the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C. Excellent. Do you get to go there once a year or something as you're to Actually, perform your duties? Yeah, have biennial sessions. Uh, that means once every two years. And we, uh, we meet in August of, uh, of the uh, odd number of years. So uh, hopefully if the pandemic thing is slows down a little bit and we can travel more freely, uh, we'll have our uh, sessions in uh, the last uh, weekend in August of uh, 2021. Yeah, I noticed on the website it said that the, the offices are open, but the building for tours is closed, which is unfortunate, but things right. you have to do in these years. It's a great facility down there. Every time I, every time I see the, with the, I'm getting off track here, but every time I see the show the outside of the Supreme Court building uh, when they're talking about the Supreme Court nominee. I think the same architect that did that building did the, the House of the Temple. It's a, it's a great edifice down there. Um, so I guess my question is, what, is it, what does it mean to be Sovereign Grand Inspector General? What, what, is, what are your duties? What do you do? Well, by statute, uh, not to go on an ego trip or anything like that, but by statute, uh, our statutes say that the Sovereign Grand Inspector General for the Orient has the same general powers as the Grand Master of Masons, but only for Scottish Rite. So my duties uh, essentially uh, evolve around uh, making sure that the valleys that are in the Orient uh, are performing in accordance with the statutes of the Supreme Council that we are engaging our members. We are pursuing, if you will, uh, Blue Lodge Masons who uh, want to further their Masonic education. Uh, often the uh, Scottish Rite is called the University of Freemasonry. Uh, we, uh, we like to think that we have some educational programs that are worthwhile. We have some uh, universities within the, uh, or colleges within the uh, 
southern jurisdiction as well as uh, throughout the United States and the northern jurisdiction also. Uh, we have uh, training programs uh, that are open not only to Scottish Rite Masons, but to all Masons. The Master Craftsman Program is one that you can enroll in. It's now available on the website of the Supreme Council. And uh, so you can do it online if you care to do so. Uh, but uh, we challenge our members as we pursue or, or progress through the degrees of Scottish Rite to explore the lessons of the degrees, the, uh, the tenets that are expo expressed in each of the degrees and how we can better manage and serve mankind and ourselves by uh, adhering to the, uh, not only the Scottish Rite Creed, but the lessons that are taught in all phases of, of Scottish Rite. And just for, for those who may not know, what are you alluded to the degrees of Scottish Rite? How does, what's the, the structure there of the, the degrees? There's 29 degrees? Well, actually there are 32 degrees of Scottish Rite and there's an honorary degree, a 33rd degree, of course, which uh, uh, is only given to a very few, no, very uh, select number of brothers uh, of, uh, of the fraternity. When I say that there are 32, uh, the Blue Lodge degrees are considered part of Scottish Rite. Uh, in the jur jurisdiction or orient of Washington, uh, we recognize the Blue Lodge as the uh, conferrors of those degrees. And we don't confer the, uh, the first three degrees uh, in the state of Washington or in the orient of Washington. As far as I know, there's only one orient in which the uh, Scottish Rite first three degrees are conferred and are accepted, and that's in Louisiana. Um, but we do have 29 degrees and uh, there are four bodies within a Scottish Rite Valley, the Lodge of Perfection, the Chapter of Rose Croy, the uh, Council of Kadash and the Consistory. Now the uh, Lodge of Perfection are the fourth degree through the 14th degree. And for a brother to progress in Scottish Rite, he must have conferred the fourth degree and the 14th degree, the 18th degree, which is the chapter of Rose Croy, and the 30th degree, which is the Council of Kadash, and then the 32nd degree, which is Master of the Royal Secret or the Consistory. Now, we have the capability if we uh, don't have the, the membership, by that I mean the number of members to confer the other degrees, uh, we uh, can communicate those degrees and communicating them is simply in a uh, seminar format where there is a, uh, if you will, an instructor or moderator who will provide the, the synopsis of the degree, the communication of the degree, and then the obligation of the degree. So it's upon the brother then to individually go back and study the, the lessons of the degree and uh, the uh, themes that are presented in, in the degree if he is, has it communicated to him rather than uh, having it conferred. We're having a unique thing happening in the Orient of Washington here <clears throat> with regards to the degrees. As I mentioned, the, uh, the fourth, 14th, 
18th, 30th, and 32nd degrees need to be conferred on a new Scottish Rite Mason. But because of the pandemic and the inability to, uh, to meet as a, as a body in as much as we're under the jurisdiction of the Grand Master, as well as the Supreme Council <clears throat> of Scottish Rite, uh, we are unable to confer the degrees. Our statutes do provide that in unusual circumstances, and those are in parentheses, in unusual circumstances, the Sovereign Grand Inspector General may communicate those what we call terminal degrees, those five degrees, instead of conferring them. And so we'll be doing that in the uh, Orient of Washington on the uh, 30th and 31st and the, uh, October and the 6th and 7th of November uh, to about right now, I think we have in the class somewhere between 35 and 40 brothers that have petitioned the, uh, the Scottish Rite and will be uh, receiving the uh, Scottish Rite degrees. It's interesting to hear you talk about the different bodies uh, and, and we we had virtually uh, and which will be separate by several weeks here. We just had the Sovereign Grand Commander of Canada on the show and he was explaining the bodies in Canadian Scottish Rite that there are actually only three bodies if I, and Steve can correct me on that. Do you know why, and maybe Steve would know, or you would know why there's a difference or how that happened. Is it because of the chartering situation or how, how that, I don't know the history there. I'm not clear as to why there's a difference. I, I do understand there's a difference. We have the first 14 degrees, which is the Valley of Vernon, Scottish, right? Um, and then you have the Rose Croft, which is uh, up to the 18th degree. And then the consistory goes from 19 to 32. So, Al, do you know why we have, why is there a Kadash? And uh, you, do you have any idea? Or anything out? No, I, I, I really don't. Um, and, and quite frankly, uh, <clears throat> I do know, having observed some degree work in the northern jurisdiction of the United States, uh, their work is different than the southern jurisdiction. And so there's not a, there's not a uniform ritual other than the fact that there are the basic lessons and tenets that are conveyed in, <clears throat> in the degrees of Scottish Rite, and they may be con conveyed in different means and fashions than uh, in each in each uh, Grand Command or uh, Supreme Council. So, uh, I, know I know it's been referred. The Southern jurisdictions have been referred to as the mother jurisdiction. Is that just something that the Southern jurisdictions can says, or is that kind of, is that really true? Well, <laughs> of course, that's really true. <laughs> Actually, the history of the Scottish Rite, the modern Scottish Rite as we know it, was established in 1801 in Charleston, uh, uh, North Carolina. And uh, that was the uh, uh, Supreme Council of the United States. And then uh, I guess approximately... I want to say about 10 years later, somewhere in that time frame, uh, the states, uh, 15 states, uh, and I like to say essentially the states that composed the Union in the Civil War uh, formed the Northern, juris Northern Masonic jurisdiction, and it was recognized as such by the Southern, Southern jurisdiction. But being the first, the Southern jurisdiction is considered the 
quote, quote, mother jurisdiction uh, of the world. And uh, so I think that's what, where that comes from. But yeah, we like to, we like to tout that and uh, everybody remember that uh, where we started from. I think right uh, where brother Moises Gomez was on the show a while back and he's a member of the Northern jurisdiction. I think he referred to the Mason Dixon line as kind of being the, the division, if you will, between Northern and Southern. And then the Southern just kind of amalgamated the West, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. I think that the Northern Masonic jurisdiction was formed before the civil war though, wasn't it? In my, in my head it was. Huh? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. My, my only, uh, my illusion there is just simply that the states that composed the union for the most part were the states that yeah, that's like, comprises the uh, northern jurisdiction. Yeah, it always struck me as funny that there's only a couple of states further north than Washington is. <laughs> the fact that we're in the southern jurisdiction always struck me. That's like, what is it, east of the Mississippi and north of the Ohio or something like that? It's, yeah, well, anyway. it's interesting also on the Prince Hall side, uh, which we recognize uh, the northern jurisdiction Washington is in the northern jurisdiction of, uh, of Prince Hall on the Prince Hall side. <laughs> I did not know that. That's interesting. He, uh, wrote, Moises also ref referred to that uh, the northern jurisdiction actually in most past years had more membership, even though it was significantly smaller. But now he said the numbers are very close or maybe the southern has overtaken slightly. No, oh, no. We're... Although, although he is a historian, so he knows everything. Yeah. When do you, do you, and this is, this is one of the things that, and I don't mean to lean on your dates and figures and facts and, but, it, but one of the things that impressed me when we first met uh, as a Mason that I, I lovingly say that you had, that he talked about so many dates and times and people and places. And I didn't remember any of it after our first meeting, but do you know, when did Washington become part of the Southern jurisdiction? And was there a petition process or how did that, how did Washington become part of the no, that's that's a good question, David. I'll have to take that uh, uh, and get back to you because uh, I don't know exactly how that all came about. Uh, I stumped him. Look at that. <laughs> without fair warning. So, uh, but I will uh, I will get back to you on that. And you can the next time you have a, a working tools, you can uh, and interject what we find out and what we pass to you about that. I'll, Listeners, this is why we don't tell our guests the questions before we have them on the show. <laughs> so, in general, do you? In general, does it, it do states? Well, now with all of them are in except Puerto Rico, I guess. Uh, how, how does is there a process? Do you know is there a process of if there was a new state that they would become, or is is there a process for a southern to to defect us? I guess to the north or the vice versa. How, how would a state become? Is there maybe there there isn't a process because it's all happened? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty much that way. Uh, we are continuing to recognize. In fact, we just had an informal session of the uh, Supreme Council via Zoom here uh, last, this last week. And uh, the Grand Commander announced that we had, uh, uh, we had recognized uh, Romania, the Supreme Council of Romania. So there's a new Supreme Council there. However, we have not recognized uh, for Amity uh, France. And uh, of course, France has been around a long time but we've had a number of uh, issues with regards to masonry in regards to recognition of, of bodies in France. And consequently, we don't have uh, a, a good feel yet as to which body we want to recognize over there, which Supreme Council. But uh, 
So uh, with respect, you mentioned Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is an, is an orient within the Supreme Council and I have a counterpart, Sovereign Grand Inspector General for Puerto Rico. Uh, and uh, so he's part of the Southern jurisdiction as is uh, Guam and, uh, and China. So, uh, and Japan, they're in Southern jurisdiction, so. You know, it's interesting that the Rainbow Girls are active in, in Romania as well. There's a, a Grand count, grand uh, Assembly of Romania. I was, I, is Romania, I, I, I know not very little about Eastern Europe, is Romania a, a hotbed of masonry or is it, a, is it just sort of coincidence or? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe uh, next time you have uh, most words for Brother Jim Mendoza on because he's uh, the expert in the in, in in the jurisdiction of Washington as well as the Orient of Washington relative to uh, uh, Masonic uh, recognition. Is, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to have a show on Masonry in Romania. We'll find have to find us a guest. So here's a good question for you. Um, as we learned earlier about the uh, uh, charitable side of the Scottish Rite in Canada, does the um, Scottish Rite in the Southern jurisdiction support a particular charity or anything like that? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, the answer to that is uh, yes, of course. And within the, uh, the uh, Orient of Washington, we have uh, two really outstanding uh, charities. Uh, the Supreme Council uh, allows each Orient to uh, support the main theme of, of their charity. Now, it, there are two, as I mentioned, in the state of, or in the Orient of Washington. One is our scholarship foundation. And actually for a small, small Orient, uh, in as much as we have uh, somewhere just under 3000 Scottish Rite Masons in the Orient of Washington, uh, we annually give uh, somewhere between 450 and, and a half a million dollars uh, in scholarships. Uh, this last year, we uh, awarded 120 scholarships, $3,000 scholarships to students uh, pursuing a uh, baccalaureate degree within the state of Washington. And we had uh, some uh, 20 uh, fellowships, uh, which were $6,000 fellowships, which are awarded by universities here, which we fund uh, that are so we're very proud of our scholarship program. Pardon my lack of knowledge, what's a fellowship? Fellowship is somebody that's uh, pursuing an advanced degree and uh, they need money to pursue that either for research or whatever their uh, cost might be in, in, in pursuing that, uh, that higher degree. That's fantastic. Uh, the other, the other uh, philanthropy is uh, speech and language pathology. And uh, we have each of our valleys in the Orient of Washington, with the exception of, uh, of one, have a, uh, either a clinic or a program that they sponsor. The difference being a clinic is where you actually have staff members uh, on pathologists on staff uh, in a clinic that is fully uh, supported by the, uh, by the valley. And we have those uh, located in... Uh, Bremerton, Spokane, and in Walla Walla. The others are where we have contract operations that the, the uh, Valley contracts with 
the pathologists in the local area to provide the service to the, uh, the young child. Uh, and they, we utilize uh, the contractors facilities and, and all that. So we don't have any fixed costs associated with that, only the, uh, the costs associated with providing the service. Uh, we annually spend on the order of uh, about a million dollars uh, to support that particular endeavor across the state. Uh, but again, the valleys are prime on that as with respect to uh, providing the funding to either support their clinic or to support their program. Children, the children enrolled in the program must be between the ages of uh, two and seven because it's important to catch them at a young age, uh, the, the formative years, so that uh, they can progress with their peers as opposed to being left behind and, uh, and always catching up. The other part of the program that's, uh, that I think is probably key is the parents have to be a part of the program. By that, I mean they have to attend the sessions with their child. Uh, and when they're not in session with the pathologists, the parents then become the pathologists, if you will. And so the parents have an instructional program that they go through in order to assist their kids as they're going through the program. And uh, this is something that's been going on in the state of Washington now for over 35 years. And uh, we are uh, we're very proud of it. And uh, the unfortunate thing is that we've identified, about five years ago, we identified that we had about 30,000 children in the state of Washington that needed the service and were not receiving it either from us or from the school districts or uh, other, other you know, uh, means, uh, insurance, et cetera. So there is a need out there and we're trying to uh, garner the additional funds we need to, uh, to grow the program. But uh, there's a lot of need for uh, charitable funds out there as we all know now. And so it's uh, it's a challenge, and we're working it. Well, that's uh, definitely one of the uh, a worthy charity. And you know, if there's a brother out there who's looking to uh, find something to support, whether it be now or bequeathed, uh, um, I'm, I'm sure you could direct it in that in that direction. I, I know our our uh, Scottish Rite Charitable Foundation in Canada has recently received. Uh, several bequeathed things, um, uh, uh, large sums donated uh, to to the the funds that get invested for these programs, um, and so yeah, that, that that's pretty cool. Nice programs to have in place. Just out of curiosity, well, two questions. First, is how about how many valleys are there? Not about. I'm sure you know exactly how many valleys are there in the in the Orient of Washington. In the Orient of Washington, there are 13 valleys, and. Uh, 13, all right. So we've got, uh, I can uh, go through them. There's uh, Bellingham on the north and of course Everett. And I think you might ought to be familiar with that. Um, then uh, in Seattle, uh, Bremerton, Tacoma, Olympia, Kelso, Vancouver. We move across the mountains and we've got Wenatchee, Yakima and Kennewick. Then over to Walla Walla and then up to Spokane. So uh, we pretty well covered the entire state. <clears throat> the Eastern side is, uh, it's a little bit more less sparsely uh, sparsely covered, but again, their population over there is substantially less than it is on the west side of the state. So, 
Uh, and again, the, the valleys that do not have uh, an active program right now, uh, well, the only one is, is Kelso. So, you know, there, there's, this is uh, uh, one of the cool opportunities that everybody gets um, on our show is, uh, is that our stuff is online for a long time to come. And if there's uh, any message that you want uh, our listeners to hear uh, about the Scottish Rite um, or, or anything in particular, uh, now, now would be a great opportunity uh, to get that message out. Well, thank you. That's uh, fantastic. The Scottish Rite, of course, is an adjunct to the Blue Lodge. And as such, we uh, hold allegiance to the Blue Lodge and to the Grand Master in, in the particular jurisdiction in which we reside. But to every Blue Lodge Mason, uh, there is an opportunity to pursue uh, what is termed the higher degrees. However, there is no higher degree, as we all know, than the third degree. But uh, for additional lessons and knowledge in helping you to build your personal edifice, uh, Scottish Rite provides uh, an educational platform to do that. Certainly, uh, the York Rite uh, in their degree structure uh, provides many of the same lessons that we do in a different format and in different means. There is a different particular bent in many of the, the, the York Rite degrees uh, having to do with the Christian religion. Whereas in the Scottish Rite religion, we tend to incorporate lessons from all the religions, major religions of the world. And as such, I would encourage any Blue Lodge Mason that has an interest in pursuing uh, further knowledge in our fraternity uh, to contact uh, the nearest valley and uh, you can find them by going on the uh, either the Grand Lodge or the uh, Scottish Rite website for the Orient of Washington, or each of the valleys in the state of Washington uh, has their own website. And if all else fails, go on the Supreme Council website, and they'll direct you to the valley closest to you uh, for obtaining information and, and pursuing uh, a uh, career in the Scottish Rite. For those in your jurisdiction, what's that website address? Because that should get a good plug. Uh, well, I think if you if you Google Scottish Rite Washington uh, and make sure it's not Washington D.C., uh, we sometimes get confused on that one. But uh, Scottish Rite uh, uh, Orient of Washington, uh, you will uh, get to uh, the Orient of Washington website. Excellent. And I'm sure David will make sure that we have it for our write-ups uh, when, we, when we post things, uh, and we'll be uh, happy to share that. Perfect. Appreciate that very much. And, and not to, uh, to speak after the, the illustrious brother has spoken, but I, I want to uh, re-mention something that, that he mentioned earlier. The, the Master Craftsman Program, I personally found to be really helpful. It actually I, I did all three of them a few years ago. I guess they rearranged some of it since then, but the um, it helped me personally to sitting down, writing some of those essays really digested some of the lessons of the Scottish right and actually kind of changed my opinion on some things that I had sort of held my opinion on when it says, you know, what do you think about issue X and Y? And I sort of went, well, you know, why do I think that? And, and there's, I really, 
it's going to sound hokey, but I, I, I honestly do feel that I, I grew in my, I don't know, my, I grew doing this program. And, and if you take it seriously and you, you engage the program as it's meant to be, I really think it's an outstanding opportunity. And I, I really recommend it to, to like, like, um, like you said, all Masons are eligible for it. It's really great. The, uh, the, that's a, it's an ideal program to, uh, to do the very things you talked about. Uh, it is broken down so that uh, the uh, one of the uh, sections of the degree or the, of the course now deals with the first three degrees of masonry, which of course uh, is going to be more general than what you would get with regards to specifically dealing with the, uh, the, the work in the state of Washington, but it deals with the, uh, the basic tenets of, uh, of masonry. The, uh, the next one deals with the, uh, the Scottish Rite degrees and uh, goes into each of those in depth. Uh, and the last one deals, or, or the second one actually deals with the history of the Scottish Rite and the degree, the degree structure. And then the last one deals with the, uh, the lessons of each of the degrees. And, the, and I like the term that uh, the first one I thought was kind of like an undergraduate course you know, instructional course. And the last two I thought were almost like graduate level courses. Um, the amount of writing that you had to do and, uh, and the in-depth research and that sort of thing and, and uh, developing it. So it's, it's, not an, it's not an easy course, but it is the work that you put into it, I, well, as, as Matt said, I think uh, makes, you, uh, makes you grow in your understanding of the fraternity and what we're all about. Yeah, and and you know those who who do decide to venture into Scottish Rite, you know if you don't have the opportunity provided for that type of education, get involved because a lot of the education uh, actually comes to you from being uh, involved and participating in the delivery of education and degrees and and conferrals and and so on and um and suck suck up all that extra knowledge because there's some pretty cool lessons to be learned uh and as you can progress through it uh, i totally enjoy that part of it i i you hit on something there that uh, brother david uh, <clears throat> hit on while he was district deputy and some of the uh, presentations that he made you know that the importance of our ritualistic work and and doing it and learning it and making it your own. And when you've done that, uh, you've made it your own and, and you can convey it as part of you, uh, it, it helps you become the individual that our fraternity wants you to become. And uh, it, uh, that was something that he, he, he emphasized on more than one occasion, I remember, and, and it really struck a chord with me. Most definitely, most definitely. And so, uh, on, unfortunately, we're re about reaching the end of our time together here this evening. So on behalf of uh, David Colbeth and Stephen Chung and myself, uh, illustrious Brother Al, thank you very much for coming on our show this evening. It's been a real pleasure for me. I've enjoyed meeting, uh, meeting you all. Matt, I've met you before. David, I know you quite well. And uh, Stephen, it's, uh, I hope that uh, maybe someday that we'll get a chance to either come and visit you or if you're down in our way, please come and visit us. So, uh. Yeah, one day when we can do that, I'd be uh, really uh, 
I take great pleasure in, in making a trip down there to meet uh, uh, you uh, in particular. Uh, David's spoken very highly of you, so I look forward to that opportunity. Very good. And with that, thank you all for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to you hearing from us next week on the Working Tools Masonic Podcast. Goodbye.